Turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, we'll start, we'll read just five verses, starting in verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time, and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned unto his young men, and they rose up and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. End our reading there. Let's pray together. Our holy heavenly Father, what a privilege this is that that we can come to your throne of, of both mercy and justice in Christ and be heard for Christ's sake, that we can meet together and worship, that, that you'd see see fit to to send any attention at all, let alone your love through Christ, let alone your son, that, that you'd see fit to, to give us any attention at all, us worthless, needy sinners. We're thankful that you do through Christ. We're thankful for him. We're thankful for Christ's work, which completely removed sin from, from your people. We're, we're thankful for his death and his sacrifice. And we're thankful that he sits on your right hand even now, making intercession for us. And we're thankful that you don't leave us alone. We pray, we ask that that you not leave us alone during this hour, but rather give us an hour of worship. That we don't go through the motions, that we don't take your name in vain, but rather that, that we worship through Christ as you've laid out for us together as a family. That that we pray that you grant us this time of worship. We ask we beg that, that you be with our pastor and strengthen him. Give him words from you. Open our hearts that, that we can hear. I pray that you give us, give us faith. Father, we, we believe your word that, that we're to make our prayers and admonitions known. But Father, we, we pray above all. We pray that you teach us to pray. We pray above all that your will be done and that you give us faith to believe and trust and and be comforted by your goodness as you've always seen fit to be good to us in the past. And, and as your word promises that we, that we trust in your goodness, that you give us faith that, Father, that, that we don't need to understand. We don't need to understand. What we need is faith in your goodness. And, and we pray that you grant us that faith then and, and comfort. Comfort those that are that are grieving, going through whatever the trial may be. Heaviness of heart and soul. Heaviness of, of body and sickness. We, we don't have a high priest that can't be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. And Father, we're, 
we're comforted by that. I pray that, that you comfort and bless as you see fit. We pray this thankfully in Christ's name for his sake alone. Hopefully you still have your Bibles there still open to Genesis chapter 21 or 22, excuse me. I've titled the message this evening, The Blessing of Faith. Now, if you didn't know anything else at all about the Bible, you'd never heard the gospel before, you'd never heard any, anything about the Bible whatsoever, what would you think the Lord meant in, in this passage Jonathan just read for us? What would you think the Lord meant when he said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and not withheld thy son, thy only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Now if we didn't know anything else at all about the Bible, I'm sure what we would think is, that the Lord blessed Abraham because of what Abraham did. That's what we think, isn't it? Abraham obeyed God. He offered his son as a, as a, he was willing to offer his son as a burnt offering to God. And because of his willingness, because he was going to act on that, God blessed him because of what Abraham did. But be careful when you read a passage of scripture and think, well, this is what that means. If you want to know what any passage of scripture means, you have to compare it to the rest of Scripture. See, every Scripture has to agree with all, all the rest of the Scripture. And based on everything else that we read in the Bible, this passage that we're looking at this evening cannot mean Abraham was blessed because of his works, can it? Can't, because it doesn't rest, match the rest of Scripture. Let me give you a few examples. Titus 3, verse 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we've done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Salvation is by mercy, isn't it? by God's mercy, not our works. It's given to us in spite of our works. Romans 4, verse 16. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed. The only way God's promise of redemption can be sure to his people is if salvation is by God's grace through faith that he gives us it. 2 Timothy 1.9 Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now based on those scriptures, and you know there are many others, our text cannot mean that Abraham was blessed because of what he did. That's contrary to the rest of scripture. Here's what's happened in our text. You know, the Lord told Abraham, Get up, go to a place that I'll show you. Go to a mountain, I'll show you. And there you offer your son as a burnt offering to me. And Abraham walked for three days. You remember the story. Right as he was ready to slay his son, God said, stop. And Abraham looked behind him. Behold, there was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham offered up that ram instead of his son Isaac. Now here's what happened. The Lord gave Abraham faith to believe God. The Lord gave Abraham faith to act on and believe and, and act on what God told him to do, to obey God. And then God blessed Abraham for having the faith that God gave him. That's what happened. It's all of the Lord. 
Now, there's no doubt about this. There's no doubt at all about this. Abraham would not have been blessed if he didn't take his son to Mount Moriah and ready to offer him there as a burnt offering. God wouldn't have blessed him if Abraham stayed home. God would not have blessed Abraham if Abraham went to that mountain and told Isaac what the Lord told him to do. He said, but now, son, I can't do it. Let's go back home. If Abraham had done that, God would not have blessed him. He would not have blessed Abraham unless Abraham obeyed God. That's so. But now listen. Understand how this thing works. Abraham would not have been willing to obey God unless God first gave him faith to trust God. Abraham would never have, have believed God unless the Lord, or obeyed God unless the Lord made him willing to obey in the day of his power. Abraham never would have acted on the faith that he had, that he believed God, he trusted God, he believed if he killed his son, God raised him from the dead. He, Abraham figured he had to, because God promised the seeds come through this son. He, he, and even though he believed the Lord raised him from the dead, it's still a hard thing to slit your son's throat, burn his body, isn't it? He would not, Abraham would not have had the strength to act on his faith unless the Lord gave him the strength to do it. See, none of this is of Abraham. It's all of the Lord, isn't it? All of it is. Now, the same thing is true of you and me. Remember, this is a picture of redemption. This is a picture of redemption through substitution, through the sacrifice being offered as our substitute. The same thing is true of you and me. God has commanded us to believe on His Son. That's the whole of Scripture. That's the message of Scripture. That's the commandment. God, God didn't command us to keep the law in order to earn a righteousness and make God happy with us so He bless us. God gave us a law to show us we can't keep it. That we need Christ. Now His commandment is don't obey the law. Trust Christ. That is God's commandment. And you and I will be damned unless we believe on Christ. That's an absolute truth. God will never bless us. He will not save us apart from faith in Christ. But here's the rub. We can't make ourselves believe on Christ. We can't make ourselves trust Christ. We cannot generate faith in ourselves. So we won't be blessed of God. God's not going to save our sinful souls unless God gives us faith. He's got to be the one. The God, the Holy Spirit, has got to give us faith. Faith to obey God and believe on His Son. Quit our works and trust in Christ. And in the end, this is going to be every believer's story. In some form or fashion, this is going to be our story. God gave me faith in Christ, and then he blessed me for having that faith. That's going to be the story of every believer. Now what the Lord here says in our text is a picture. It's a picture of the blessings that every believer has in Christ and how we obtained those blessings. See, all of God's elect, all of his people are blessed because God did not withhold his only begotten son. Abraham wasn't blessed because he didn't withhold his son. Abraham's blessed because God did not withhold his only son. And Abraham saw that. Then when the Lord said, Abraham saw my day and was glad, that's exactly what he meant. Abraham saw this is how God's going to save his people by the sacrifice of his son. That's why Abraham's blessed. And if you and I are blessed of God, that's why we're blessed too. Because God did not withhold his only begotten son, but gave him as a sacrifice for our sins. It's all, we're always blessed because of who God is and what God's done. Never because of who we are or what we've done or haven't done. Never. 
Now, if you look over Hebrews chapter 6, here's a New Testament commentary on, on our text of Genesis, so we don't have to guess what it means. This promise is a promise to God's elect through the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 6, verse 9. The writer says, But beloved, we're persuaded better things of you, and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. Now the writer's telling us here, there are some works that accompany salvation. Accompany. We're not saved because of our works. These works accompany salvation. They're an evidence that God has done something for us. That God has saved us. When Abraham took his son and was willing to offer him as a burnt offering, that was a work that accompanied salvation. The only way Abraham could do that is if he believed God. Read on, verse 10. For God's not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you've showed toward his name, and that you've ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope and to the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now God's made these promises to his people, and we're going to inherit them. God's going to give them to us. So don't be weary in well-doing. Don't quit. Even if you don't see the results that you want to see. Don't quit. Even if things look bad right now. Don't quit. You keep trusting the Lord. You keep following Him. You keep serving the Lord. Because the Lord's faithful. He's going to give these promises. We're going to inherit these promises in the end. Because God promised them. Now four. Four. Here's why the writer says. Don't quit. Four. Verse 13, when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself, saying, surely, blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability, the unchangeableness. That's immutability just means God can't change. The immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable things, God's character, his word, his promise, by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Which hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is entered for us, even Jesus, made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now these verses are talking about what Christ has done. God made this promise. This is what Christ has done, how he has accomplished the salvation of his people and the rest. The hope, the security, the peace that we have in trusting Christ. See, the blessing that Abraham received in our text, it's not through blessing works, is it? It's the blessing of grace. It's the blessing of faith. And it's the, that is the same blessing every believer possesses. It's the blessing of faith. The blessing of God, God's grace. All these years later, here we sit. And I would imagine everybody here 
esteems Abraham somewhere in a stratosphere above us, don't you? I mean, we would kind of, you know, do you know you are just, you had the very same blessing as Abraham did if God's given you faith in Christ and believe Christ. God's given you the very same promises, the very same blessing based upon the very same Savior, His work for His people. That's the reward of faith that God gives all of His people. It's the reward of His grace. And the reward that we have is Christ Himself. What God told Abraham is true of every believer. It's true of you if you believe Christ. Christ is our exceeding great reward. He's everything. He's it. The blessing is having the Lord Jesus Christ. Believing Him. Trusting Him. Being united to Him. And being united to Him, we have everything that's in Him. Now turn back to our text. Let me show you that in a picture. Verse 16, Genesis chapter 22. Or verse 15. The angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said by myself, I have sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and not withheld thy, thy son, thine only son. Now again, I mentioned this a minute ago. Here's the blessing. Here is the basis of every blessing God's people have. It's that God the Father did not withhold His only begotten Son. But instead, He gave Him. He gave Him a ransom for many. The Father loved His people so much with an eternal, immeasurable love. Now here's the proof of that love. He gave His only begotten Son to be the sacrifice for their sin. He sent His Son into the world that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And since the Lord Jesus Christ, when He came in the flesh, the Son of God, He obeyed His Father. He obeyed the law perfectly. He obeyed His Father in everything that the Father sent Him to do. Because He did that. Because His sacrifice put away the sin of His people. Because His sacrifice glorified and honored the Father's justice. The Father has given him everything. Given everything into the hand of his Son. Philippians 2 says that the Father has exalted his Son. Because of what he accomplished as a substitute for his people, he's exalted his Son and given him a name which is above every name. He exalted him higher than anyone. You can't be exalted as high as Christ the Savior. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Father exalted Him so highly because He did exactly what He promised His Father He'd do. And our text is a picture of the promise that God made to His Son. See, this promise is a promise the Father made to His Son. That he'd be blessed. That he'd be exalted. That he would be the mighty conqueror. And that promise belongs to everybody who's in Christ. See the father made it to his son. But if you're in Christ it belongs to you too. And I see four blessings here in our text. That I want to give four of them. The the father promised his son. But they're ours if we trust Christ. And the first one is this. The father has promised to bless his son. Now he's going to bless his son. 
Verse 17. Then in blessing, I will bless thee. Now in the covenant of grace, the Father promised that He would bless His Son. If Because He knew this, the Son would accomplish all the Father's purpose in glorifying Himself by saving sinners, by the sacrifice of the Son. And every blessing that the Son receives, He receives because of the blood of His sacrifice. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only person, the only man to ever live they can say he's blessed because of his works. He's the only one. His work is perfect. And the Father promised all these blessings to his Son. And they belong to God's people in Christ. In Christ. Not because of what we've done. Not because of what we haven't done. But because of what Christ has accomplished. And every blessing the Son receives now, he bought it. He bought it. And he gives it to his people freely. Let me give you a few examples. This is how blessed God's people are. The blessings that we have in Christ. Psalm 2 verse 12. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Do you trust Christ? Do you trust that all it takes to save your sinful soul is him? The only righteousness you have is his obedience. The only hope you have of forgiveness is His blood has cleansed you from all of your sins. He, your only hope. My friend, you're blessed. You're blessed of God. Blessed of God Almighty. Because God gave you that faith in His Son. He gave it to you to trust His Son. Psalm 32, verse 1. Blessed is He whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Now what a blessing to have our sin forgiven. That Almighty God would forgive our sin that's been against Him. That He cover our sin so it cannot be seen anymore. Now how is that possible? Well I'm telling you the only way our sin can be covered is in the blood of Christ. The blood of His sacrifice. The Lord Jesus Christ earned the forgiveness of sin for His people. When He willingly sacrificed Himself for then, if your sin is forgiven, your iniquity is covered, you're blessed. The Son of God suffered and died and shed His blood to do that for you. Oh, you're blessed. Psalm 32, verse 2. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. Now, that's a blessing. The Lord does not impute iniquity to his people, even though we committed it. <laughs> now sin has got to be charged somebody. Sin must be charged and it must be paid for. God's justice demands that. God's truth demands that. God can't save anybody, ignore their sin. It's got to be imputed to somebody. Somebody's got to pay for it. Here's how blessed you are if Almighty God does not impute your sin to you. The only way God could not impute your sin to you is if he imputed it to his son at Calvary. And then he slaughtered him for it to pay the debt for your sin. Now that's a blessing for the father not to impute sin to you that you committed. The only way he'd do that, he imputed your sin to his son. And the son paid for it for you. Now you're blessed 
you're blessed. As you go through these scriptures, I'm starting to see the blessing is not a bunch of stuff in this world, is it? <laughs> the blessing of having uh, you, not your sin not being imputed to you, charged to you. Psalm 65, verse 4. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee. Now a sinner is blessed of God to be chosen, to be elected unto salvation. And that election is in Christ. You know that. Christ is God's first elect. And he elected all of his people in him. And those people that God chose to save, he sent his son to die for them. He sent his son to put away their sin with his blood. And in the fullness of time, you know what God does? He calls those people to his son. He causes them. He makes them approach unto him. They come running because he calls them. He draws them by the cords of his love. He draws them. You know what draws God's people to Christ? You, you don't have to beg people to walk an aisle and do something and dedicate their life. And you don't have to beg them to be baptized. You don't have to beg them to do something. I'm telling you, for God's people, all you've got to do is preach Christ. Just hold him up and preach him as clearly and loudly and plainly as you can. God's sheep will come running. That's what draws God's people to him. If the Spirit is ever pleased to take the gospel of Christ and show you Christ in it, that it's, it's not a bunch of doctrines. The, the gospel is not to, you know, do this, do this, and do this, and then this is how it's going to turn out. A plus B plus C equals D. That's not it. The gospel is person. And if the Holy Spirit ever shows you that, shows you Him, you'll come right into Christ. Nobody's going to have to beg you to come. Can you imagine a greater blessing than being drawn to Christ? I can. Then Psalm 66, verse 20. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer nor His mercy from me. I spend time in prayer. I wish I could say that I spent more. I spend time in prayer. And I'll just be real honest with you. A lot of times my heart feels cold and dead. And oh, I'm... I, I, Oh, how I pray. Lord, give me, soften my heart. Apply this to my heart. How in this world am I going to preach Christ to your people with this, oh, this cold, dead heart? I mean, I want to get away from it. How could God hear me? Why on earth would God still hear our prayer? For Christ's sake. We sin again and again and again and again. I'm talking about after the Lord shows us Christ. After he shows us what our sin cost the Son of God. And we still just... Why would God not turn his mercy away from us? For Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. The Lord Jesus Christ took away the sin of his people. There's no reason the Father wouldn't hear you. There's no reason the Father would turn His mercy away from you. 
if Christ died for you. Oh, that's a blessing, isn't it? In Psalm 68, verse 19, Blessed be the Lord, who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. God loads His people with benefits every day. The blessing, the benefit of the forgiveness of our sin. He loads us with the righteousness of His Son. He just keeps loading it upon us. The blessing of being accepted with God that, that He hears. He supplies our need. Whatever it is we need physically, God supplies it. We're loaded with these blessings every second of every day. You know why? Christ our mediator lives. Ever reigning, making intercession for us, our Savior lives to ensure the blessings He purchased for His people are all theirs. Isn't that a blessing? God's people are blessed for Christ's sake. That's all through the Bible. In Genesis chapter 30, Jacob is getting ready to take his wives. He was leaving Laban. He's done with his bad situation. And Laban says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't leave. This is what Laban knew. God's blessing me for your sake. Don't leave just yet. God's blessing me for your sake. In Genesis 39, Potiphar may not have realized it. When he bought that slave, Joseph, Potiphar ended up becoming very wealthy. Everything Potiphar did, all his business dealings, every one of them were blessed for Joseph's sake. For Joseph's sake. And all of God's people are blessed with every spiritual blessing for the very same reason. It's for Christ's sake. Now that's God's promise to his son. He's going to keep it. Right here's the second thing. The father promises to multiply his son. He says in blessing I will bless thee. And in multiplying I will multiply thy seed. As the stars of the heaven. And as a sand which is upon the seashore. Now when the father elected a people. He was abundant in mercy. The eternal God doesn't do anything in a small way. He was abundant in mercy. He chose to save so many sinners, you and I can't count them all. And the Son came and redeemed that innumerable host. You can't count them, but by one sacrifice, here's how special the Lord Jesus Christ is. By His one sacrifice, He redeemed every last one of them. Everyone the Father chose to save has been redeemed by the blood of His Son. And here's the Father's promise to His Son. Your sacrifice will not fail. It won't be in vain. I'll multiply your people. Now I like the way He said that. He didn't say, I'm going to add to your people. He said, I'll multiply them. I'll multiply them. I'll increase them into a great number. Now here's something very encouraging for sinners. God Almighty is rich in grace. He's rich in mercy. God, God's Word never talks about His grace or His mercy in small terms. It's, he's great in mercy. 
God's not going to run out of grace to save you. As long as you're a sinner that has to be saved by pure grace. Now your works can't enter into it because you don't have any. You need pure grace to save you. If that's you, God's never going to run out of grace to save somebody like you. He has plenty for a sinner like you. He's multiplied it. He multiplied it. Now you come begging for it. You come begging for it. Here's the third thing. The Father promised His Son, you go. You go to battle. You sacrifice yourself. You fight all the the blackness of, of sin and iniquity and justice and Satan and hell. You fight them. You'll have the victory. At the end of verse 17, thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And you talk about you're possessing the gate of your enemies. That means you came in and won. You won the battle. You won the victory. And now the gate's mine. I go in and out as I please. And if you're going to go in and out, you're going to have to do it at my permission. I own the gate. I possess it. Our Savior won the victory. Because no enemy can prevail against Him. He came to tear down every wall and tear down every gate that would stop His people from coming to Him. He tore down the gate of the law. God's law kept us away from God, didn't it? It said do and live, disobey and die. We've disobeyed. We've died. We can't come. The law has kept us away from God. The law says don't, don't enter in. Christ came. He tore that gate down by obeying the law for His people. Christ came. He tore down the gate of sin for His people. Our sin separated us from our God, hadn't it? It's kept us from coming to God. A sinner cannot come to the holy God in our sin. It's kept us from coming into God's presence. He'd never allow it. Well, our Savior came. He tore that gate down, didn't He? By putting away the sin of His people with His own precious blood. All the ceremonies of the law, the ceremonies of, of that Jewish religion, those things kept us from coming to God. We could not see Christ in those ceremonies. All we could see in those ceremonies is, oh, here's a way I can be self-righteous by observing all these ceremonies. Look at me. We just turned what was a picture of Christ into a way to be self-righteous. I mean, that's how dead in sin that you and I are. And Christ came, He tore that gate down. He tore the gate of the ceremonies down by being the fulfillment of all of those ceremonies. And the chief one that I can think of is the Day of Atonement. The Holy of Holies. That veil separated the holy place from the Holy of Holies. And that veil said, don't you enter. Don't enter. Don't you come in here. Except the high priest just one day a year. And not without blood. When Christ died, those ceremonies were over, weren't they? As Christ gave up the ghost, what happened? With no visible hands, that veil was torn in two from top to bottom. Christ tore the gate to those ceremonies down and the way to God is wide open as long as you come in Christ alone. As long as you come naked without anything, any, any merit of your own, if you come to God, in Christ, the way is wide open. And you'll always be accepted. And then people talk about the door to our heart. 
They talk about that door like men can can keep that door shut if they want to. That, that's a gate to my heart. I can keep it shut if I want to. I'm in control of this. And Christ just can't come in and save me unless I let Him. He'll stand out there knocking and begging me to, to open it or not. I just It's up to me. It's a hogwash. Hogwash. When the Savior comes to His people, He doesn't knock and beg them to let Him in. God the King is never a beggar. Brother Fortner used to say, when God comes to His people, He rips the door off the hinges, bolt and bar, and He comes in to reign. He comes in to reign. And when He does, God's people are right glad. Oh, they're glad. I said all that to say this, to encourage you. If God has purposed to save you, there's nothing in heaven, earth, or hell that will stop him from saving you. Not one thing. And that includes your own sin and your own rebellion and your own deadness. The Lord Jesus Christ will have every soul that he came to save. If he comes to save you, you'll be willing in the day of his power. You know why? He's the mighty conqueror. He's the mighty conqueror. And then here's the last thing. The father promised his son that he would save his elect from over the whole world. Verse 18, And in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Christ the Savior didn't come just to save the people who would naturally descend from Abraham. And I never really thought about that, really, before I was studying this this week. If Christ came to save just the people who descended physically from Abraham, that would make salvation somehow by works, wouldn't it? That would make salvation somehow by this flesh. And that can't be. Christ didn't come just to save some Jews. And aren't you glad? All of us would be excluded. We'd have no good news, would we? If Christ just came to save spiritually or natural Israel... Christ came to save sinners. Period. Christ came to save sinners. He came to save sinners from every kindred, every tongue, every people, and every nation under heaven. Now, Eric, I can fit in there somewhere, can't you? <laughs> I can fit in. Can you? Can you fit in somewhere? In there? Christ came to save sinners. And brother, he did it. You see, his obedience is perfect. His sacrifice is perfect. So he saved everybody he intended to save, no matter where they're found. No matter what language they are, no matter what skin color they have, no matter, no, it doesn't matter. There's no hiding from him. There's no escaping his saving power. There's no sheep that's so lost, that's so far out there, the shepherd can't find them. And get them and bring them home. His obedience, his blood is so powerful, it reaches his people wherever they're at. Oh, the stain of sin is deep, isn't it? His blood reaches deeper than the stain's gone. It washes his people white as snow. You know, people talk about not being able to hide from the long arm of the law. 
And that's true. Boy, you can't, you can't hide from the long arm of the law. Justice must be satisfied someday. Law, the law is going to be satisfied someday. That's true. You cannot escape the long arm of the law. But you know what's just as equally true? You can't escape the long arm of God's mercy either. His arm of mercy is going to find His people wherever they're at. And He's going to reach down, He's going to lay hold on them, and He's going to bring them to Him. See, here's why the salvation of God's elect is sure. This is what I want to leave you with. This is what I want you to take home. The salvation of God's elect is sure. It's because of who the Savior is. It's because of His work. His work of redemption. His work of righteousness. And our works don't enter into the equation anywhere. Anywhere. Salvation in Christ is so perfect. It's so sure. It's so certain that even the filthy rags of our righteousness can't ruin it. Isn't that a blessing? I'm telling you, I love this gospel. We don't have to earn this salvation by our works. And we don't have to keep it by our works. All we're required to do is believe Christ and rest in Him. To depend on Him to do it all. That's a blessing of faith, isn't it? Oh, I pray that God will give it to each of us this evening. Let's bow together. Our Father, how we thank You for your promise of redemption in Christ our Savior. How we thank you that in your purpose, your wisdom, your mercy, your grace, that you have sent your Son to fulfill every requirement of righteousness and redemption for your people, eternal life for your people. Father, how we thank you that it all depends upon Christ our Savior on who He is and what He has accomplished for His people. Father, we thank You for the blessing of faith that enables us to lay hold upon Christ and rest in Him. And Father, I pray, I beg of You, that You get much glory to Yourself by giving that that blessing of faith to each heart here this evening. And let us leave here rejoicing in Christ our Savior. It's in His blessed name. For His glory and His sake we pray. Amen. All right, Sean.